Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I'm chatting with Sarah Clark. Peaceful Power Podcast is here to help you live a movement-based lifestyle, utilizing fitness, yoga, and Ayurvedic techniques. Each week, I will bring you a motivational guest or a solo show geared to help you take action to live that peaceful, powerful life. All right, so today's episode, we are chatting about fertility, and Sarah is actually sharing her own story of with her fertility issues at the age of 28, and uh, her kids are now 16 and 13, so she shares with us her journey and how she got interested in the field in the first place, and I think this one is going to be a super helpful episode for anyone out there who is wanting to know more about just maybe their fertility in general, or if you're struggling with fertility issues. Um, This is a great episode for uh, what we can do to increase our fertility in terms of food, stress, uh, meditation, yoga, and then as well as we talk about birth control towards the end of the interview, which I found to be super fascinating as well. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode, and uh, here is Sarah Clark's and I's conversation. Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. Today I have Sarah Clark on with me, and um, I'm going to kind of throw it over to you, Sarah, and let you kind of introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your journey. And um, I know we're going to talk about fertility today, so how you maybe got interested in studying a little bit more about fertility. Yeah, totally. So I'm an infertility conqueror, I'm an author and a fertility coach. And yeah, I had my own journey with um, fertility. So I was kind of joked in my early 20s, I was having, you know, if I was having menopausal hot flashes. Well, it turns out that I was. So um, at that time, I kind of had irregular periods. I had um, um, sort of chronic yeast infections. I, through my teenage years, I had great skin. And all of a sudden in my early twenties, I had this really greasy uh, chin and acne kind of came along. And then I had this weird fungal rash on my chest. So, um, my, my, I was very planner. So I, I wanted to get married at 25. So I got married at 25 and then have children at 28. So at 28, when I still had, um, irregular periods, I thought, okay, well, I better go into my OBGYN, um, and see what's going on. So I went in there and then was um, found out that I had premature ovarian failure, which is the loss of function of the ovaries before age of 40. And um, I was told my only option to have children would be through donor eggs. So I remember the OBGYN reaching up on her, her little um, shelf there and giving me the IVF brochure and um, off I marched. And I really did not take any time to grieve. I didn't take any time to figure out those symptoms that I talked about with the irregular periods, the um, you know, the, the skin that uh, I also had dandruff and the, the yeast infections, I didn't take any time to figure out what was going on there. And then, um, so I went straight to the IVF, uh, went to the fertility clinic and went on, on a list for a donor egg. And, um, I was lucky enough on the first, uh, fresh transfer to have my daughter and, um, she is 16. So this is back when you say donor eggs and we didn't even know what that was. Wow. So, um, and then we had two embryos left over and um and so then i wanted to have my children wanted to have our children close together so i went back in and my husband's like sarah you seem a little stressed i'm like no no i'm fine i'm fine so went back in and those two embryos didn't work Mm -hmm. so then we went on another list for another donor egg and then we were lucky enough on the first press transfer to have our son so will is 13. so you know this is many many years ago and then and then really my health began to suffer i remember after i had my daughter i had nine colds, every cold went into a science infection. And I thought it was a great idea to take antibiotics for every science infection. 
wiped out every last the <laughs> beneficial bacteria out of me. Um, I had vertigo and I had, and I became to have like chronic uh, bladder infections, chronic yeast infections, chronic, sin chronic sinus infections, toenail infections, the dandruff, the um, skin rashes, just, you know, and I was still functioning, still doing my thing, but my immune system was, was, was just, you know, not responding well. And I was just um, constantly, constantly sick. So um, at the time I was in HR and I took a, um, wanted to bring coaching into the, 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 um, the um, corporate environment. So I took a coaching course, a life, a life coaching course, had my own personal wake up call on the life coaching course, decided I really wanted to get into health and wellness, took a health coaching course. And that's where I just discovered that I had food intolerances. So for me, I am um, intolerant to dairy, gluten, and corn. So I began to gradually take those out of my diet and then looking at lifestyle factors. And then lo and behold, these chronic you know, at this point I was, you know, resistant to all sorts of antibiotics. Nothing was working. I was peeing blood. It was like a, oh my gosh. You know, and so then as I changed my diet, lo and behold, all these things started, started to heal and get better. Um, the bladder infections went away, the sinusitis, I'm like, oh, I could breathe. Um, and then, and then really, um, so, so for me, I didn't discover this till I was 40. So I was fully in menopause. You know, I was no longer cycling uh, naturally. It was it was too late for me, and so really, like my message is one of one of hope to really, you know. And I believe if I had known about the tools of functional medicine, so looking at the underlying cause of disease back when I was 28 and diagnosed with POF, that I would have been able to conceive naturally. But um, I didn't know about it. So now, so my message is to, to you know, there's one of hope using those those tools to, to, you know, you can make changes and there's things you can do. Wow, that's. Wow, that's an incredible journey. Yeah, and everything that you had talked about, because I actually, um, I'm in an Ayurvedic uh, coaching practitionership right now. And everything you're saying, I was like, man, we just, because we just talked about this literally in our class last night. And, you know, pretty much everything you mentioned, you know, and so to us, those would all have been like red flag, red flag. That's right. But the doctors, do they not like have that? I mean, they have to have that information or what, you know, how does that kind of go? So if someone comes into the doctor and they're like, no, this is what you need to do. How do you kind of educate people that there are other options? Yeah. Cause it's sort of, you know, right now there's specialties, right? So if I was going after the urologist for the bladder, I was looking at the ENT for the sinus. It was all different, different things instead of treating the, the person as a whole and getting back to, to gut health and yeah. looking at, you know, for me, it was food sensitivities. Now were those triggered by the fact that you know, when I lived, when I grew up, we grew up in a forest with, you know, and we had lots of trees and we lived in a cedar house when, and then we had carpenter ants. And so we sprayed for these carpenter ants, did the environmental toxins then, you know, and both, and my brother has some weird health issues too. So did that early on of, you know, and our dog passed away at 10 of cancer and her sniffing around all that, all those um, toxins. So did that set something up? I don't know. Like, so it's sort of, um, the, the body, like, so if someone comes to us and they're saying, you know, they're, they're dealing with infertility, it's, it's usually not just infertility that they have. There's other health issues that are clues. And we look at the whole person, not just the infertility diagnosis. Or in my, in my case, it was like, you know, looking at these things separately, you know, look at the whole person. Mm. And if someone, um, you know, what would they kind of go to, or if they're like, okay, if it's maybe not an OBGYN, like who should I see? Like an integrative doctor or, you know, who can they kind of go to for some of this information? Yeah. So, um, so there's obviously like, to me, I'm, I'm into, I, I work with a functional um, nutrition practitioner. So we, we, we look at functional testing 
um, which we look at food sensitivity testing. So we have a couple's coaching programs. So we look at food sensitivity testing, hormone testing, and, and stool testing. So we, we use the tools of functional medicine. So it's looking at the underlying cause of disease. So you can seek out a functional um, medicine practitioner. So you look at the Institute of Functional Medicine. And so it's, it's you know, there's a, there's a steady stream of doctors that are kind of um, disenfranchised with the current conventional medicine, medicine system and really moving over to um, functional medicine, which is the medicine of the future. Instead of, you know, managing disease, it's, it's, it's um, you know, it's preventing it and mm -hmm. they're putting down their prescription pads. So it's, it's that kind of, that's sort of thing. And I work with a, a functional nutrition practitioner. So her, so we look at these tests and then use that to develop a, a targeted plan because sometimes you can go around with different things and not really, you know, testing is the foundation. It's not the be all and end all. Cause I've had people take the tests and then they don't do anything about it. Cause you still have to do the, the hard diet and lifestyle changes, do that mindset work. Um, but it's a starting point. People can kind of see it. So to me, it's empowering. Yes. Oh yeah. Um, if someone's trying to conceive then like, I know, cause I was reading some of your blog posts on your website, you know, what are some of like the best foods people should be consuming or, you know, when we're even thinking about, you know, okay, is it time to have a child or not? Like, what are some of those things that women should be thinking about and men? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So it's both right. So yeah, to me, it's to go like hundred percent organic. Mm -hmm. um, I've got someone coming on my podcast to get uh, pregnant naturally. And, um, she's from moms across America and she's on a, on a mission to, um, get glyphosate out of the, the food supply. So she's, you know, um, lo lobbied and done all sorts of, um, um, campaigning and quite quite an activist about, about, you know, removing this from our, our food supply because it's linked to infertility. Gly uh, glyphosate is linked to infertility as well as a whole host of other issues. And if that's, you know, you're eating that and then that could be, we've had, there's studies where people have just gone organic and with, 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 with recurrent miscarriage that, you know, people have gone on to conceive. So it's, to me, it's going hundred percent organic. Um, you know, you can look at the dirty dozen on the environmental working group if, if, if cost is prohibitive, but to me, you know, like you could be spending thousands of dollars at the fertility clinic and, and the cost of moving to organic is, is comparatively, you know, a lot less expensive. Um, so yeah, I would do organic. And then, um, if you, you can follow the fertility diet, which is um, the Harvard nurses study based on 18,000 nurse nurses over the course of eight years. And it found kind of um, different strategies, diet and lifestyle things to look at. They, they recommend doing um, slow carbs. Um, so looking at complex carbs, so stay away from the white stuff um, and do like kind of whole, whole grains. We take it a step further in functional medicine. So we look at, um, so obviously the, the, the organic piece, but then also, you know, gluten is, is a, one of the, like a top allergen and it can cause inflammation in a lot of people. So to t go gluten-free for at least 60 days, take it further. You can do a food sensitivity test to see if you are intolerant to it. Um, so that's kind of with the, the whole grains piece kind of play around with, with gluten and gluten light does not work. So you have to go 100% to take it out. Um, we have our clients kind of go, they, they do a food sensitivity test. So we look at um, like a LEAP, uh, LEAP MRT test, which looks at 150 foods, 150 food chemicals. And then, um, or they can do an IgG test. So it's like a delayed, delayed food sensitivity. So some people think, you know, there's, there's, um, there's like an IgE, which is the, the um, if someone has, you know, immediate um, reaction to food. So it could be, 
you know, you, like for instance, my, my son is, is anaphylactic to kiwi. So um, for him, he, his, you know, his breathing starts to, to be a problem and his lips swell up. So that's an immediate reaction. You get hives and breathing issues. Whereas the, the IgG test looks for that delayed reaction. So the, the bread that you have on Friday, how does that impacting you on Monday? So it could, you know, and it, can, it could be different for everyone. It could impact your digestion, your moods, your joints, your, um, your skin, autoimmune issues too. So um, like back to the question about kind of the food. So it's like organic, look at, you know, move to whole, to whole grains, but then you can see if there's a gluten issue going on. Um, you could look at, um, also look at dairy, which is another top allergen. So you want to um, determine if like over 75% of people can be intolerant to dairy. So you want to, um, you know, take that out of your diet with the elimination diet. Um, see if you're intolerant to it. If you're not, then you can bring back in full fat dairy. So the fertility diet um, study found that uh, full fat dairy is better than uh, skim, uh, skim milk, because there's prolactin in skim milk, which then messes with hormones. So um, those are kind of some things. And then, you, you know, there's obviously the, you want to stay away from processed foods. You want to have, um, you know, to, to look at, um, Oh, like your, your, your leafy greens, like some of these things that you kind of, that people intuitively know we should do, like staying away from processed foods, eating, eating more greens, you know, having, having, um, like on your plate, you want to kind of have the, the, the lean protein. So in the, the, in the fertility diet study, they found, um, people that had too much, had too much animal protein, there was a risk of ovulatory infertility. So, um, you know, maybe doing your animal protein maybe three to four times a week, and then um, looking at other plant sources. So there's, you know, there's lots of things you can kind of do with a diet. We kind of start with the elimination diet. So then you know how, like you take the, those, the, the allergens, which are um, dairy, gluten, corn, eggs, soy, and peanuts. You take those out of your diet for 10 days and then you systematically reintroduce them over, the, over a period of time, over the next 30 days, and you see how food impacts your body. Mm. That's, yeah, that's, Something I also, you know, encourage people anytime that they're having, you know, sort of those unknown issues and, you know, even realizing that like having bread on Friday can affect you on Monday. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just sometimes people are like, whoa, I didn't even, didn't even cross my mind that that could happen. Um, another one that I kind of had a question about, because I had a friend um, after struggling with some fertility issues herself, started looking into the water that she was drinking and had realized that um, the, she had just moved to a new city and the new city actually had said on their website that they were having water, you know, contamination issues. And she had had struggles once she moved there. And so she was kind of like, wow, I didn't even cross my mind to even think about the water I was drinking. Is that something that you come across as well? Yeah, totally. So that whole environmental side of things, environmental toxins. So like, yeah, water can have, you know, chlorine, fluoride, all sorts of, it can have, well, there's a lot of it's found um, uh, birth control um, pills, the, 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 mm. the hormones from birth control pills are in the water. Um, arsenic. So, you know, I use a Berkey, which is, uh, it filters out like all of these, all these contaminants. So you can use um, another, the, the Berkey is probably more cost effective. It's for, I think it's about three to $400. Um, but it's kind of like this, this little, um, like a potable system and you just keep, you just, re, you know, fill it with tap water and then it, 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 it will um, filter out the water. But yeah, water is, is huge. You want to make sure you're drinking enough of it. And then you want to make sure that you're not 
you know, if you're having plastic water bottles, the plastic from can, you know, on plastic, the BPAs can leach into the water and then impact uh, your hormones. So um, it's just important to have purified water and drink out of a glass or a stainless steel bottle. Throw out and the plastic, say goodbye to it. Do Brita's work fine then too? Is that another one that works okay? Uh, Brita, Brita can, I guess in the short term, but you really, because it doesn't filter out all of those different contaminants. So we look at the Berkey or there's other kind of ones you can install on your house. I can't remember the name of them right now, but um, yeah, you, the, the Berkey won't filter out as many, as many contaminants. It's still better than tap water. Yeah. Good to know. Cause I'm, I'm really picky about my water and I have a Brita, but I've been thinking, I'm like, I think we need to get something. Yeah. Look at the Berkey. The Berkey is awesome. And literally like I'm drinking it right now. When you have this water, it, the water is sometimes you can sometimes when you have water, it almost it leaves that parched feeling in your mouth and your yeah. in your throat. This water is like so satisfying and it, it just tastes like heaven. It's beautiful. Oh, I know my <laughs> husband used to make fun of me until we moved and he was like, Oh, okay, it's different water here. I was like, I told you, I'm like, mm -hmm. you can just it just it's different. So, yeah, I, I agree. Um, I want to kind of talk about that then partners because I think sometimes that we sometimes you know even miss. The boat on knowing, okay, our partners obviously have stuff to do with our fertility as well and how they're doing. So do you have any tips for that? And maybe how, you know, they can, couples can support each other in this process? Yeah, totally. So yeah, like 40% of infertility is, is, is male factor infertility. So it's not, it's not, people think it's just a female, but it's, it's, it's not. Um, so basically, yeah, like when I was first coaching, I was just coaching uh, women. And then I've now coached couples because really, this it takes two to tango on this and to really have and it's mostly women that come to me and then so it's like to have people that are open-minded the, the spouse to be open-minded to be able to be able to make changes because um because i had people saying you know trying to have him make changes and he's not ready and my 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 tip for that really is like you've got to make the changes first Mm -hmm. then he, your partner will come when, 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 when they're ready to do it and you can't really force someone. So it's like, just lead by example. Um, and a, a lot of this with fertility, it's like just to really look at the communication and that's how we have them kind of work together to make sure everyone's on the same page. You know, men and women can handle uh, infertility differently. And it doesn't mean, you know, the woman typically will be looking at chat groups and forums and reaching out and researching like Dr. Google becomes the best friend and all this stuff. Right. And it's like, and that in itself can be very stressful. Men, you know, stereotypically may not tell anybody, um, may not do too much research. And, and, but that doesn't mean that they're not um, having a hard time with this and they're not hurting. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, and so women may get frustrated thinking that they're, you know, they're, they don't seem to be, you know, as invested maybe in this as they are, but it's, it's really to kind of get the conversation going on this and to know that they, they may handle it differently. And that's very, that's a stereotype. So not all men are like that. Mm -hmm. um, but it is important to, to get the communication and because uh, infertility can either, it can bring you closer together or like rip you apart. Mm -hmm. So it's just to keep, keep the, the lines of communication open um, and that's in this, the couples coaching program I have. It's, it really helps to, to foster that communication and, and people are able to ask for, and really ask for what you, you know, if you need something to ask for, ask for help, ask your partner for help. And maybe, you know, they, they need help as well. Right. So to be able to recognize that and too, we have, um, we have them do the, do the uh, love languages um, survey, which is kind of cool where you, 
where you see, um, you take a little love language quiz and you see what your love language is. So for, for instance, mine is like words of affirmation and my husband's is acts of service. Mm -hmm. So when he like, I'm like, can you change a light bulb or can you go over here? And he's like, okay. And I'm like, oh, but, but that's how he, and he does it right away and it's very quickly and he, any kind of chore like that, that's how he is show, showing his love. So I, even though for me, that's not my lang love language, but I recognize that's how he's showing it for me. So to be aware of that. For me, words of affirmation, and he didn't grow up in a family that gave too many compliments, right? So he would, he rarely, he rarely says, oh, you look great. But, but I'm like, if he does, I'm like, okay, yes, he's, he's, <laughs> so it's, it's kind of being aware of the other person, what their love language is. And even that can be, um, because there can be a person, he's doing all these things and you don't even recognize that's how he's showing that he loves you and vice mm -hmm. versa for the woman. That, that's exactly me and my husband only flip-flopped. Okay. <laughs> so I'm like, oh yeah, that's totally, that's totally us. Yep. And that's where he always says, whenever I give him a compliment, he's like, I know you mean it because you don't throw those out lightly. Yeah, like, I yeah. know. Those are gold. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so another thing I think that, um, you know, everyone struggles with, I think lately, is just stress. And mm obviously with infertility issues, that's stressful on itself. So, you know, what are some ways for people to kind of, who might be, you know, struggling with this to kind of help relax or just ways to kind of relieve some of that stress on top of the stress of just daily life? Yeah, totally. So uh, Alice Domar, she's a, uh, the pioneer of, of, of mind-body fertility. She's a Harvard researcher and she's been uh, doing mind-body mind fertility groups for over 20 years. And so she's found kind of, first of all, like the, the, the group support. So having, being able to show compassion to someone else that's going through the same journey as you is, is very important because then you can reflect that back on yourself. And then kind of going through those mind-body tools, like looking at meditation, looking at journaling, looking at um, like meditative walking or um, uh, hypnotherapy, di like di different, different modalities like that to add in for um, like to, to shifting, shifting mindset over a period of time. So people that were in her group within six months, 55% went on to get pregnant. And then within um, two years, 95% became, became moms somehow. So that even, even making just those emotional mindset shifts can, has like major impact. And we just ran a group a, um, a mindfulness group just, just, just a little while ago. And there was 12 ladies in it and three of them got, got, um, got pregnant. So it's, um, the mindset piece is huge. So to me, it's adding in, um, you know, adding in some meditation. Um, if that's too much, like if that doesn't sit well, you can even do that, that meditative walk. So when you're on a walk, a lot of times either, and if you're just, you gotta be by yourself. Cause if you're with a friend or your, your partner, you could be chatting which is what I like to do on a walk. But if you're by yourself, um, you just be aware of your surroundings. So that mindfulness piece where you're like, oh, I can hear the birds. I feel my foot, you know, touching the pavement. Um, I smell, you know, we're coming into spring, although it's snowing out right now. Um, we're, <laughs> um, it's, you know, we're moving into the warmer climates. So, um, you know, feeling the warmth of the sun. And so every time, sometimes you can go on that 20 minute walk and you are so much in your head talking about all kinds of things that you didn't even know was going on and you, you, you weren't even aware of your surroundings. So every time you, you bring yourself back, that's mindfulness. Kind of the example, um, so John Kabat-Zinn, is the, he's the grandfather of um, mindfulness 
and he talks about an example in the shower. So there you are in the shower, you're sudsing up, you know, you're, you're, you're soaping off and, and you're, you know, I have some of my best ideas in the shower, but cause I get in my head, but, um, the whole idea for mindfulness, every time you come back, so you, you feel the water on your, on your back, you, you smell the shampoo, you smell your, your, your soap, you, you know, you, you see the steam that's in the shower. So that's kind of that, that practicing mindfulness that, that way is, is really key. Mm. Those are great, great ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, another one, like essential oils, because oh, yeah. what are some essential oils people could be kind of using or how to even use essential oils? Um, I don't think I've actually had anyone talk about that on the podcast. So in case people are like, I maybe have heard of essential oils, but I don't know exactly what to do with them. So what are kind of common ones that you suggest? Yeah, um, I love essential oils. I basically have them every night before. I have like to sort of do that sleep ritual before you go to bed. So sleep is super important for uh, fertility and health. You want to get set between seven to nine hours. But before I go to bed, I put on an essential oil and you, you know, lavender is a nice one. Um, Lang Lang. There's, there's one for fertility, which is on my website, but basically it's a, um, it's a mixture that you can rub on, rub on your abdomen. So it's lavender, geranium, fennel. Um, oh, what's the other one? Um, fennel. Uh, oh, there's two other things in there. Uh, <laughs> ro- rose and clary sage mm-hmm. so you you mix those together with a carrier oil such as a fractionated coconut oil and then you would rub that on your abdomen and um and even using clary sage kind of on some of your pulse points those that can be very good to help with hormones so all all like that one for is is very helpful for fertility and there's other ones that help with um like strong emotions associated with with um infertility so um, like, like la- lavender is a really good one. Um, there's some, some from doTERRA, I think serenity is mm-hmm. a good one. Um, but you always want to make sure they're, um, like therapeutic and pure because some of the essential oils can be, if they have too many fillers and stuff and stuff in them, it's not the best. So we, you know, we like doTERRA or there's young living, living oil, or just look for an organic one. Yeah. Yeah. My friend, um, Blue Lee, her name is Rachel. She makes her own as well. And I always love Sweet getting them right from her. Cause I'm like, I know they're good. And, yeah. um, she dilutes like a lavender one, which I swear by. And I had, um, I used to get Charlie horses when I was pregnant and I would, every time I put that on before I went to bed on my calves, I never got Charlie horses. Yeah. And in the middle of labor, thankfully I brought it with, and I started getting Charlie horses and usually they're really debilitating to me. And oh. my husband put it on my calves and it was like instantly went away. And so I had emailed her after. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know what you put in this, but this is just pure <laughs> magic. And so anytime I work with someone who's pregnant, I always give them that lavender essential oil that she blends because it's, it's magical. So lovely. Yeah. I, I love lavender. I, I have it, uh, as I say, I put it like at nighttime before I go to bed. It's great. And you can put it on the pulse point. So like, um, you know, on your, on the, on the bottoms of your feet, you can put it on did I say feet? Feet. <laughs> uh, your yeah, on your um, your wrists, and you can even kind of spray it on on. Um, I guess you can put it in your hands and kind of inhale it a little bit too. So it's just it's just a very calming one. Mm, yes. Um, and then what about fertility yoga, or just trying to do some yoga for um, like a, maybe a yoga series? Because I know you had talked about that too on your website. How is it maybe different from regular yoga if someone's kind of maybe seen it or wondering, should I try that? Yeah, fertility yoga. So it's it's really, it's a slower yoga. So it's like a Hatha or a restorative yoga. And it's very, it's like holding 
poses for a longer period of time and doing really slow movements. Some people get into it and go, oh my goodness, this is all we're doing. Are you kidding me? This is so boring. But that is actually, those are the kind of people that need it even more. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. So it's like those slower movements, um, you know, legs up the wall is a really good one for the reproductive organs. Uh, I work with a fertility yoga um, instructor, uh, teacher. So we've, we've got, there's fertility yoga um, we just actually finished a, a six week, it's going to be coming out well, by this time. It'll probably be out, be out, but it's a six week, um, fertility yoga series. And it has, you know, poses to do before the cycle, after the cycle, um, really digging into that, like that self care piece. Um, yeah. So legs up the wall is a good one. Um, another one is the cobbler's pose. So you kind of lie on your back and then with the legs kind of um, a part, and I'm not a yoga instructor, so pardon me if I'm butchering this. <laughs> um, but yeah, legs kind of in a um, put together, and the legs the, the legs out to the side, and then you mm. can support the support. Use like we use a lot of props in it, so it's using um, towels and pillows and blankets, and you're you know you're not in your your scanty little yoga clothes. Usually you're in kind of you know warmer like a, like a sweater and, and socks because you're keeping you know, the uterus likes warmth, sort of. So um, those very, it's, it's just very quiet. And um, it's, it's a very nice kind of meditative practice too. For some people, if you're like, oh, meditation, I can't sit still and do meditation. Do meditation, like the fertility yoga, you can then anchor it to your breath and, and do it through movement, which can be helpful for people. Because especially if infertility, you know, you may feel your body has failed you and it, there could be, um, you could be angry at your body, right? So then to know doing, doing a fertility yoga series, you begin to begin to feel, you know, your body is powerful and it can do, you know, all these magnificent things and sort of, you know, using the movement can help restore that confidence in your body. Yeah. And it helps lower stress too. I mean, yeah. that chill practice, just kind of, you know, making sure that you're just like, okay, getting out of my head, getting back into my body. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on, um, you know, maybe even just taking birth control pills and fertility issues? I don't know if you have any like thoughts on that. Cause I know I have had people kind of ask me and, um, you know, I'm like, well, the research isn't always the greatest showing, you know, support for it. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, definitely. So to, the birth control pill can really, it can, it can mess with your, your, your nutrient levels. So people take it, some people are able to take it and they get their period back right away and they get pregnant. Other people, people that come to see me, they're struggling with infertility. So many of them have been on birth control pill for years. Mm -hmm. So it, and it impacts your nutrient levels. So it's to kind of get that back on track. And then it also impacts the, the health of your gut. So, you know, you, you could be more susceptible to perhaps leaky gut. Maybe you're you know, if, and if you've had antibiotics in there as well. So it's really to kind of, we do that. We, we use, as you say, that functional testing, like, so your, your, your food sensitivity, your hormone testing, your stool testing to see what's going on in there. We take that targeted approach. And then after that, um, we work on gut repair. So really bringing in, you know, things to help heal the gut. And if you've been on birth control pill and so many, women, you know, I was on it for years when given POF and they're like, okay, go on the birth control pill. I think I was on it for 10 years. So who knows if that then, you know, harmed my gut bacteria and then gave me all these different immune issues and, and, you know, led, led to the, to the gut infection that I had. I, it's, it's hard to know what comes first, but um, yeah, the, the, and it's interesting because, you know, as a, my daughter who's 16 and 
um, it's hard because I talk about, you know, natural health and she's like, oh, mom, blah, blah, blah. And um, so she was having heavier periods and, and she was like, I want to go to the doctor. I'm like, well, we should, you know, we look at other things because she's dairy and gluten-free. I'm like, have you been, you know, keeping to that diet? Because for her, she's, I didn't focus on my preconception health. Both my children have, have these allergies. So for her, and she had chronic sinusitis and all sorts of other things. Anyway, so she's, you know, her periods are kind of a little bit of whack. And I'm like, okay, let's take you to the conventional medical doctor. Took him, took her there. And the first thing he says when she tells her, tells him about these periods, he's like, well, we should put you on the pill. I look over at her. She's like, okay, why? And he left. Like, it's, it's like, no, why are we putting a 16 year old on the pill that is having these, you know, period, like whatever oh, was going on, let's figure out why. Oh, so, um, yeah. And, um, Sweetening the pill by is it Holly Grigg? I can't remember her last name. Is it, is it Holly Grigg something? Um, is a good is a good one to look at. She's got kind of like a whole host of information on on there, um, and uh, yeah, it's there's also like post birth control uh, post birth control syndrome. So things that you know that do impact you after going on the pill. It's there's there's health ramifications. And as they say, some people don't, but people that come to see me. Have been struggling with infertility and for them part of the puzzle may have been the fact of this long-term birth control use yeah that's what i always like uh i mean i struggle with that when people like ask I'm like there's other options because i went off the pill you know years ago now but i'm like it's just there's other there's other options like you know and that's what i i think people have to kind of just be like okay it's you know what is this doing to me long-term? And it is, it's a hormone and it's affecting us. And, you know, there's just those studies out there now that it's affecting us, you know, maybe longer than people would like to admit. So, you know, kudos to you for having your daughter, you know, kind of look at other, other options. Exactly. Yeah. And there's a risk of stroke. I'm like, there's, there was a friend of mine's, her, her daughter who was on birth control and 21, and then they thought she was having a stroke. Oh my gosh! And one side of her body went 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 numb, and 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 she was able they they put it back to the birth control pill, so she immediately went off of it. But I'm like, sorry, if there's something that's going to give me a one percent chance of having that kind of issue, no. But I, you know, I took it. I didn't really. I look, I remember looking at all those different side effects and went, uh, okay, my doctor told me to take it. I guess it's yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in a lot of, I mean, a lot of our society does, and so I think we think safety in numbers, like, oh, my friends are all doing it, so yeah. it must be fine. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but that's yeah. But it's more to figure out, you know, to to look at the the fertility awareness method, which has you look at your cervical mucus, and then you know we only we're we're taught as children that or as as young women that we only like we're fertile every every day of the month. But you know, there's only a couple, you know, two or three days that we we can be fertile, and we you know look at the cervical mucus and kind of figure out you know understand our body instead of um, trying to control it with a with a foreign pill that makes pharma companies lots of money. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So if people are kind of like, wow, I want to know a little bit more. I know you have a podcast, Get Pregnant Naturally. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like what type of topics do you usually have? Do you have guests on if people are wanting to tune in? Yeah, totally. So the first um, three months, actually from January to March um, 18, so we we focused on mindset meditation. We had people coming in and talking about hypnotherapy and subconscious, you know, infertility blocks, fertility yoga, that kind of stuff. Now for the second quarter, we're moving more into the diet piece. So um, talking about seed cycling and how gluten impacts your fertility. Um, 
Uh, I've got someone coming in, like I said, the, the, the moms across America talking about glyphosate and how that Im impacts. And then I'm going to be going into talking all about um, um, like uh, how the different, like we're, we're talking about um, the functional testing and all the different, because we, we, we run blood chemistry um, reviews. So we're kind of talking about different levels on your blood cam and what those can mean for your fertility so it's it's yeah just kind of almost doing like a netflix style thing where it's they don't drop all at once but it's like taking taking a topic for three months and kind of dig more into it for people so yeah oh i love that i love that um and then i know that you have a three-day fertility visualization that you have for us can you tell us a little about that where we can yeah. find it yeah, so actually, yeah, so it's the, it's a fertility, uh, it's a guide to fertility visualization, and basically it's a recording by, so I work with a professional therapist, and she's also a certified hypnotherapist, and specializes in fertility, so it's a recording, um, a 12-minute recording of going through the fertility garden, so it really, it's something nice to listen to before you go to, to bed, and it's just planting this beautiful fertile garden, and um, visualization is, is, is a huge piece of this, kind of looking at mindset shifts, um, because a lot of people that are struggling with infertility, like, it's hard for them to even see themselves pregnant, mm -hmm. um, having the baby, like giving birth. They can maybe see the baby, maybe at when the baby's three, but it, sometimes it's hard for them to even see this because there's such, there could be blocks going on. So it's really kind of being able to re rewire your brain kind of with some of these positive things. And also the fact if, if, if your RE or OBGYN has told you, you know, you have a very low chance of success or you'll, you'll never do this, blah, blah, blah. These things kind of get locked in our subconscious. So visualization is a nice thing to do um, you can, that you can do each, each night and, and kind of start to rewire your brain a bit. Mm, I love it. And then where can they find you at? What's your website or social media you like to be on? Yeah, so you can find me at fab, fabfertile.com. Definitely check out the uh, Get Pregnant uh, Naturally podcast. It's on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Um, but yeah, I'm on Instagram. It's fabfertile. And uh, yeah, that's probably the best places to check me out. Perfect. And then I always have one final question and I like to uh, give out a weekly challenge to all the listeners. And then when I have guests on, I have you guys throw out a little weekly challenge to everyone. So what would you like that challenge to be this week? Um, maybe the chewing challenge. So it's like, you know, we all eat three times or more times than that a day. So if you want to have, you know, add in this mindfulness piece to doing, so every time you, and I did this, I studied macrobiotics for a little while. And when we were doing it, like they had to chew a hundred times each bite. Now that's a little extreme, <laughs> a little extreme. But um, so I would challenge you to to each bite to chew ten times. And I'm I'm used. To, I grew up in a household where my dad would you know hoop down his food really quickly. We're always like really fast. Um, so it you know to be able to sit quietly if you're sitting by yourself or with others and really like chew each bite, you'll be it'll keep you satiated longer. And there's just this feeling of like peace that kind of comes over you if you chew each bite and, and it, it takes longer and my mother would my, so my dad was like you know eating really quickly my mother would take we'd all have left the table and she's still sitting there chewing <laughs> but you know she was a she I grew up vegetarian and then she turned vegan and and sort of things so she's very you know health conscious so yeah the chewing challenge would be a nice one to to start with oh I like it I like it Perfect. I don't think we've had that one either. So that's a good one for us to do. Great. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. It's been such a pleasure getting to talk with you and all of the information that you have shared with us. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks for having me. It's fun. Thank you. And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power. Thank you so much for listening to the Peaceful Power podcast. And if you want more information about today's show, head on over to andreaclausen.com 
where you can also find my free guide to working out for your body type. And if you haven't already, I would love it if you could rate and review the show over on iTunes and share it with any of your friends that you think would benefit from hearing the peaceful power message. Thanks again, and go out there and spread your peaceful power.